Welcome to the Jazz Session. How are you? I am Jason Crane, and I'm pulled over on the side of the road between Montpelier, Vermont, and Greensboro, Bend, Vermont, one of which is the capital and the other of which has 230 people in it. I'm uh, on my way to see a friend who lives in Greensboro, Bend, after just being in Montpelier for the first time, a city that I – well, a city. I don't know. It's a town, really. A town that I immediately fell in love with. I am bringing you one from the vaults uh, this week, and this is going way, way back to the first 50 episodes of the show. This is episode 47 originally back in 2008, and my first time interviewing Satoko Fuji. Uh, She's just brilliant, and I mean one of the most prolific musicians of ever, maybe? (laughs) Just the volume of music she has put out in the years Since I interviewed her and in the years before I interviewed her, uh, truly, truly astonishing. If you want to become a member of the Jazz Session and make sure that you get all the bonus episodes and all that good stuff, you can do that quite easily at patreon.com slash thejazzsession or thejazzsession.com slash join, both of which lead you to the same place. Thanks so much for listening. Let's step back 13 years and talk to Satoko Fuji. Welcome to the Jazz Session, the weekly jazz interview show. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is on iTunes. Just go to the iTunes store and type in Jazz Session, and you'll find all of the past shows there. You can subscribe for free, and you'll always have the latest episode in your inbox whenever you want it. Well, it won't actually be in your inbox. It'll be in your iTunes, but that's almost the same thing. You can also go anytime, again for free, to thejazzsession.com. And you'll find a show archive there. Plus, you'll find links to other jazz sites. You'll find some writing that I've done for other places. And uh, I think you'll find a fair amount of live jazz news as well, if I remember correctly. In addition, you can see our cause of the month, which actually lasts longer than a month every single time. So I don't know why I don't rename it. But in any case, the uh, current cause is Musicians Village in New Orleans, and you'll find a link at thejazzsession.com that you can click on and give them some money. And I hope you will. Thanks. This week's show is an interview that I did with Satoko Fuji, who is a a Japanese piano player. I reached her at her home in Japan, and you can kind of tell the sound quality uh, of the interview might be a little sketchy compared to what you're used to, but I think uh, perfectly acceptable nonetheless, especially given the 10,000 miles that separated the two halves of the interview. Satoko Fuji uh, turns uh, 50 this year, uh, this month as a matter of fact, and she uh, celebrated by releasing four records. Uh, We're going to hear from all four during the course of this show, starting with her New York trio, which features Mark Dresser on bass and Jim Black on drums. This is a little bit of the title track from their new recording, Trace a River. (laughs) ¶¶ 
My guest is Satoko Fuji. She has, I don't know, about 17 new albums out this year, it seems like. Uh, she is celebrating her birthday in style by releasing bands uh, of many different styles and albums by all of those ensembles. She's got two records in particular that we're going to focus on in this show today. One is called Trace a River, and this is by her New York band, uh, Satoko on piano, along with Mark Dresser on bass and Jim Black on drums. And then the second that we're going to focus on is called Heat Wave, which is by her Mado Ensemble. Satoko Fuji, welcome to the jazz session. It's great to speak with you. Thank you for calling me, actually. Yeah, I'm in Tokyo. Yeah, I, yeah. I know you are. It's, uh, it's my pleasure. Can we talk a little bit about just how do you keep track of all of the different musical projects you have going on? At any one time? Well, it's hard to explain because, you know, um, I just do the thing that I want to do. And, uh, you know, I'm not a person like, you know, making plans one by one and, you know, do the thing very organized way. I just, you know, uh, pick something I would like to and I just continue. So let's talk about uh, how you first got together with the folks in the New York trio, Mark Dresser and Jim Black. I, I know it's been around for about 10 years now. How did you first uh, hook up with Mark and Jim? Well, I used to live in New York City. Uh, actually, after I graduated from New England Conservatory in Boston, I moved to New York City in 1996. And uh, my husband, Natsuki, and I tried to go to many jazz clubs to listen to music, what's going on there. And uh, I listened to many, I had many interesting things going on in the city. And I especially liked uh, Mark Dresser and Jim Black. You know, of course, they didn't play in the same band. Uh, but I just had feeling, you know, if I can get together with them to make a band. So I asked them to play with. So this is the first I mean, I started the band. Well, your your guess was certainly right, because uh, they sound incredible together and uh, even better with you. Can you talk a little bit about the music on Tracer River? How much of this is just uh, happening spontaneously in the studio? How much of it have you planned in advance? Give us an idea of what the recording session was like. It's kind of difficult to explain, because I, of course, you know, write many pieces and I brought the pieces to the session but I don't like to be a dictator so I really wanted to um, all musicians like you know Mark plays his way and Jim plays in his way and I really like that so it's just like can I say the, mat the material that I bring and uh, um, they just um, make music from out of it. So I would say um, probably 20% music are written and 80% are just, you know, developed from out of it. Which I think makes this record and the previous records by this trio even more impressive because there are, there are all throughout all of these tunes moments where the three of you are in such communication. It, it must just be a thrill to play in that setting where the three of you are so close uh, musically uh, with each other, I imagine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, you know, we have been playing together for t more than 10 years. And uh, some people think, 
if we play, you know, playing together, I mean, if we keep playing together for too long time, some people say we lose some, like, you know, fresh feeling. But in our situation, that is not true. Um, more and more we play together, I think we actually feel much more exciting to play together. On your uh, your other project, which is the Mado Band, uh, it has an album called Heat Wave. And my understanding of this record is that the the compositional style was very different from what traditional musicians might be uh -huh. used to. Can you talk a little bit about the songs on uh, Mado? Um, well, all my pieces are not like you know. I'm I don't use any rules. I don't want to limit myself to make music. So I don't, you know, apply any, like, musical theory or, like, you know, code progression or traditional way to write music. I just um, pick the notes I like. And I even feel like, you know, that's there, that I just found. So almost all pieces are not with code. Sometimes I write, like, like you know, some scales or some feeling or mood or whichever. But, you know, um, again, I would like to make the players develop their spontaneous idea from out of it. And so you must have to work with people that you really know and trust. Well, obviously, one of them is your husband, but I imagine everyone in the band, you must really have to choose carefully, right? Because right, you, right. all you're giving yeah. them is a, the barest sketch to work from. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, um, I'm, I think, you know, the most, I mean, the happiest musician in the world because all my players that I play with are so great. And uh, actually, I don't need to do anything because they already make the music beautifully. So uh, I just, you know, ask them to play with. That's all I do. You know, forgive me if this is a stupid question, but when you listen to an album like Heat Wave, um, I mean, I've listened to a lot of very challenging music, and I always wonder, 
What did the composer imagine the album was going to sound like when he or she walked into the studio on that first day? Is Heatwave the finished product? Does it sound like what you thought it might sound like when you pulled these four people together in the studio? Well, you know, I know many composers, great composers, who can listen to the sound when they write the music. But in my case, I sometimes cannot think about that. I, I, I mean, I'm lucky because, you know, even I think something, I can get, I mean, more things from playing with someone else. So when I entered the studio with my music, um, I imagined a little, but um, always I end up having much more than I expected. I noticed uh, just the kind of amazing use of sounds, maybe non-musical sounds, uh, that uh, Natsuki Tamura gets out of his trumpet um, uh-huh. all kinds of you know squeals and and vocal sounds uh, it's yeah. it's just it's really fascinating is it surprising to you sometimes to hear what comes out of the bell of his horn well there is an interesting story funny story about that well actually I really like you know that kind of his sound I really enjoyed and um, I love kind of noise stuff so I really enjoy them. But anyway, um, my parents listen to very traditional music, of course, and they are not crazy with my stuff. But anyway, um, my mother once said to Natsuki, how come you play like choking pigs? <laughs> <laughs> you can make beautiful sounds with your home, but I don't understand how come you play like that. Choking pigs is the way that she and we really like the, that explanation. So, you know, um, it sounds great. I mean, Choking Pigs. Yeah, it sounds like a really good song title or album. Yeah, album. right, right. <laughs> uh, well, uh, will you tell us a little bit about uh, the bassist and drummer uh, in the Mado Ensemble? Sure. Okay. Well, you know, bass player, I have been playing for a long time. Actually, more than, I think, more than 20 years or something like that. Um, when I graduated from Berkeley and before I went to NEC, I had been playing some, like, standard stuff, like, you know, uh, traditional jazz stuff. And uh, I played in many jazz clubs in Tokyo and also, like, you know, lounge stuff in hotels. And uh, he... I played with him very often with that kind of stuff. We should say his name, by the way, which is uh, Norikatsu Koreyasu, right? Yeah, Yeah. it's very difficult. (laughs) I mean, even for Japanese. Sure. (laughs) Yeah, it's too long. (laughs) But um, I know he has great sound, and he has very... Even he has been playing jazz, he has very open mind, and he actually plays many different kinds of music. So I like his approach a lot, and but you know, um, actually he plays in Gato Libre, which is Natsuki's band. So he's a bass player in that band as well. And he, there are some moments on this record, thinking particularly of uh, his unaccompanied section in Beyond the Horizon, that are just, just astounding. His sound is so rich; it's really, uh-huh. really uh-huh. fun to listen to. Uh huh. Well, he has beautiful sound. Yeah. 
Well, he's the guy, you know, who really care the tones, I mean, timbre. And uh, sometimes after the show, he still, I mean, you know, we ended playing the end of the night, and he still <laughs> tuning. <laughs> <laughs> he's the guy like that. <laughs> It's all very clear now, I understand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think, you know, bass player is like that. Sometimes. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and so uh, let's talk about your drummer as well. Okay. Uh, his name is Akira Horikoshi, and he plays in my big band, Tokyo Big Band Orchestra. And uh, he is a little younger than other people in the band. And he started playing rock uh I think because his older brother uh, was big fan of rock, so he got some influence. But anyway, uh, he learned many other different stuff, and he has like you know um, technique to play a lot of world music or you know ethno music or like you know very straight ahead jazz and uh, even like you know big band stuff and. Uh, I really like his approach because um, his drum sounds um, not like drums. I hope you do understand what I mean. I do. Uh, yeah, okay, great. Uh, probably his approach is more like Japanese taiko approach with like, um, not like, you know, um, typical drum kit technique. He plays like, uh, even when he plays straight ahead jazz, he sounds like Japanese music. And taiko are the, the drumming ensembles that sometimes tour the U.S. People people who think of Japanese drummers, taiko is what they're thinking of, right? Uh-huh, right, right. Okay. Yeah, that's, yeah, just Japanese drum, which is very big. and um, not, Some of them are not so big, but you know, very simple and very deep sound it has. And uh, not like afterbeat stuff, more like onbeat stuff they play. So Akira's approach is pretty much like that, I think. And when he first started uh, playing with you uh, in uh-huh. this in this more uh, kind of free context, um, did it was it difficult for him in the beginning, coming from a a kind of more rock background? Well, you know, you know, uh, Yosuke Yamashita. Yes, the guitar oh, okay, player, you know right? Him. Yeah. yeah, he's like first generation of, you know, free jazz pianist in Japan. And, uh, you know, very alt. Sounds like Cecil Taylor. But anyway, Akira was a drama of his career for a long time. Oh, no kidding. Okay. Yeah, so, you know, he's really, I mean, familiar with this kind of music. So he didn't have any, well, actually, he's more happy playing free stuff. Okay, well, that's yeah. that makes a lot of sense then.
Now, you mentioned uh, a few minutes ago the uh, Gato Libre project, and there's a a record uh, that just came out this year uh, on Libre Records, which is called Kuro. And I wonder, uh, on this record, you play accordion. Uh, Is that something you've been playing for a long time? When did you decide to pick up the accordion? Well, there is a story. (laughs) Um, When Natsuma did me to play accordion, because I don't have any chops... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so he thought, you know, he can be me be quiet. I mean, he can make me be quiet. <laughs> if I play piano, I think, you know, maybe too much talkative because I do have been playing piano for a long time and I do have some, you know, some technique or some, you know, something. But with accordion, I don't have anything. So I have to pick something I really like and, you know, play very little. And uh, Natsuki wanted me to do that. So actually, that's his decision, not my decision. And uh, that, that is one reason. And another, another reason is um, there is a jazz club in Tokyo. And uh, they have very good curry, and, uh, but they don't have a piano. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I wanted to eat curry there, so, <laughs> but no piano. So I have I had to choose something to do. So that's another reason. <laughs> well, that's I I don't know how many musical decisions have been made because of curry, but uh, this <laughs> it's a good story. Well, sometimes musicians are that simple. I think <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I feel like curry. I think I'll learn to play the accordion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And this this uh, Gato Libre project sounds very influenced by folk music too. It sounds like a if a if a folk group and a avant-garde jazz group decided uh-huh. to make a band uh-huh. together, it, uh-huh. is is there some of that in the background of this song? Well, I think Lasky didn't plan anything like that. He wrote the piece, uh, you know, without any idea. He, you know, the piece just came out from his heart, and the piece ended up having like you know. European folk music feelings with some avant-garde stuff, but that was not his plan. He just wrote the thing that he wanted to play, and that just ended up with having like you know Spanish feeling or that kind of European folk music. Sure. Yeah.
Well, CD number four that you're on that uh, came out this year uh, features again Natsuki Tamura on trumpet. Uh, you are on piano again this time, and uh, one of my favorite uh, percussionists, John Hollenbeck. Uh, the uh-huh. the band is called Junkbox. The album is Cloudy Then Sunny. Can you talk about how you and John Hollenbeck uh, first began playing together? Um, you know, he's such a great composer, and uh, when he plays with his band, he's more like you know. Um, not just player, he's more like musical director and uh, composer. But he's, of course, a great drummer, and I really wanted to play with his that part. I mean, you know, great drummer, great players. And he has such a, I mean, free sense to play some, anything. So instead of writing something uh, with notes, traditional way, no, notation, I just used some my way to write music and uh, asked him to play with. So we made two albums because I really enjoyed our first album and uh, I really wanted to develop more. So the second one came out like that. Well, you turn uh, 50 next month in October. Happy birthday, a little early, and uh, <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, you know, many many musicians, when they have been recording, you know, for a couple of decades, and they've put out so many records, decide, okay, I'm going to slow down a little bit, you know, play less frequently, put out fewer records. You've released four albums in one year, and you seem to be speeding up, not slowing down. Why, why are you still so passionate and energetic about playing? I don't know. Well, as I told you, I do the things that I want to do. So that's just ended up having like, you know, five or six albums a year. And uh, I sometimes got uh, some complaint from some record companies because they have a hard time to selling my, to sell my CDs. And if I make more, it's, I think, you know, more hard, harder for them to sell the CDs. But I just cannot stop. I think I'm not addicted. <laughs> oh, that's great! I mean, we're we're all lucky that you are because the music is uh, is just fantastic.
um, I actually lived in Japan for many years and lived in Tokyo really? and have been to many of the places. I, I speak Japanese, but I decided not to reveal that in this interview because I just wanted to do you the whole do. thing in English. Um, and I've spent a lot of time at the Pit Inn and places like that. Uh-huh. But uh, I, I'm wondering, uh, what, what kind of an audience is there um, in Japan for the kind of music that you make? Do you find it easy to find places to play? What do audiences? How do audiences react to how you play? Well, you know, there are certain people, not many, but who love this kind of music. But if you go to jazz clubs in Tokyo, there are many jazz clubs with kind of straight-ahead stuff. I would say hard-bop, 60s hard-bop stuff. And uh, I don't know, with some reason, many Japanese jazz fans love that kind of music. And uh, But there are, of course... um some people who love this kind of music. And I would say, you know, if you count jazz clubs in Tokyo, we do have much, much more than ones in New York City. But uh, if I think about the place I can play, I would say maybe three jazz clubs that I can play in Tokyo. Because other places, probably, you know, people, I mean... I don't know, we'll throw eggs or tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> they ex- expect something, you know, very smooth or some, you know, very straight ahead jazz. So, but I think, you know, this is kind of world common thing. So it's not just in Tokyo. I think same thing in, even in New York City or, you know, other places too. I think so too, and you know, people people who don't try to listen to this music, I think, are really missing out. I, uh, sometime recently, I was playing uh, "Trace a River" in our house, and uh, my wife is uh, she's, I guess, a jazz fan, but she's not a huge fan of um, really challenging or avant-garde jazz. And this the album was on for a few minutes, and uh, she said, "Wow, that's really really good." And it's not because she has an education that uh, in in this kind of music that allows her to, you know delve uh-huh, deeply uh-huh. into it it just really grabbed her and uh, i think anybody could experience that even with hard music it doesn't you don't have it doesn't have to be hard it can just be yeah, exciting yeah actually i think you know the music that i make is much more access is it the word accessible right yeah 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 for people who don't know about jazz or who don't know about any i mean who don't have any education of music because, you know, um, I think hard pop is kind of difficult music to listen to it. I just remember um, when I was in Berkeley, I really wanted to be very good bebop piano player. So the thing that I had was, I did was, I listened to um, Charlie Parker every night before I went to the bed. And every night... I had nightmare, so, <laughs> <laughs> so I think you know. Actually, that kind of music, I think we need some study to understand what they are doing, because many code progressions and a lot of tensions, and but I think my kind of music is more like um, playing with kids or you know just. Uh, feeling something. So, it's, I don't know. I mean, 
because many times I have been told that people don't understand my music because it's too difficult. Well, that's the thing that they say, but I don't know what's the meaning of difficult or easy. Um, because for me, sometimes um, straight ahead jazz sounds so difficult. Well, that's a that's a really fascinating point, and uh, I think a great place uh, to to thank you so much for uh, for being on the show. And uh, it's just been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. And I hope you'll come back uh, next year when you release your next five or ten CDs, <laughs> so we can talk about those. <laughs> but uh, it's it's really been great speaking with you. And uh, I, th I thank you. Wish you a happy birthday, and uh, wish you all the best. Thank you very much. Thanks so and much. Maybe next. Next time you can talk to me in Japanese, which okay. is much easier. Okay, I promise that I will. That was pianist Satoko Fuji from one of the four records she was part of this year. That was from the Junk Box recording. This is the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. Don't forget, you can find the Jazz Session in the iTunes Store. Just type in Jazz Session. You can subscribe for free, and you'll always have the latest show on iTunes whenever you want it. You can also go to thejazzsession.com anytime and find an archive of all the past shows, along with live jazz news, jazz links, jazz articles and essays, all kinds of cool jazz-related stuff, and just lots of reasons to say the word jazz over and over again. Tons of great shows coming up. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, as, I, as I record this, it's been uh, just about 24 hours since I interviewed Barbara Dennerlein, the uh, German jazz organist who's... Uh, on the East Coast now as part of a U.S. tour, and I caught up with her in Massachusetts. Uh, also, recent interviews with Henry Grimes and other people around uh, Henry Grimes that will be on the show quite soon. Talked to David Sanborn recently. Who else? McCoy Tyner's coming up. Jack DeJanet's coming up. Uh, lots of people. I don't know. There's so many. I've got about 10 that are in the can now and a bunch more scheduled. So uh, I can't remember what they are, but they're good, and I can't wait to bring them to you. And in order for that to happen, 
I would need to ask you, if you would please, to come back again next time for another conversation about jazz right here on The Jazz Session. Thank you for listening. Bye.